Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. Thank you for streaming this message. I believe this message will encourage you, it will inspire you, and it'll help you live the supernatural lifestyle of faith. We want you to live this supernatural lifestyle of faith, not have supernatural moments, but have it as a lifestyle. So we put all of this content out for you to receive so you can grow and live the life that Jesus made available for you. To find more information about our ministry and our resources, you can visit us at FCCGA.com or you can download our Faith Plus app. Our Faith Plus app has thousands of hours of faith building content and it's available in your app store right now. Open your heart. God's going to share something special to you through this message. Go with me once again to Galatians chapter 6. Let's look at it one more time. Galatians chapter 6. And once again, welcome to all those who are watching online. And if you're watching somewhere online where you can share, we encourage you to go ahead and share. And if you're watching online and if you haven't dropped anything in chat, just go ahead and put a hand wave emoji or a hi so our Connect team can connect with you. We're so glad that you're streaming this experience. Galatians chapter 6. And so one of the things the Lord told us concerning 2023 was this year we are supposed to focus on his goodness. He said this year we would see the extreme depravity and lack of man. But where we're concerned, we'll see the extreme provision and goodness of God. So he told us to focus on his goodness. And we started the series on New Year's Eve, and well, it's not New Year's Eve anymore, and here we are. So well, how long the series is gonna go? I don't know, I think it's gonna be done before Easter, but we'll see. But one of the things we're gonna share today is why it's so important for you to focus on God's goodness. Because it's not just a nice thing to know or a nice thing to hear about, it's vitally important. You know, one of the things we talk about on New Year's Eve is that the Bible says that God is good to all. And for us, we're like, well, of course, God is good. But some people don't really even realize that. That when they think about what's going on in their life and all the bad things, they say, oh, God did that to, me, to teach me something. So they really don't believe that God is good. Or, especially since that song said he's good to all, they say, well, he's good to some good people, but for the people who aren't good, he's not good to them. No, God is good to everybody. That's who he is. But the thing is, if you don't believe he is good, you're not going to live by faith. Even if you're saved. If you don't really believe he's good, you will live by fear because you, be you believe he's going to strike you with a lightning bolt. So I'm going to try to keep the law, try to keep the commandments because he might zap me. And do you know what I was sharing with, uh, about this at a barbershop recently? I said that if people have that mentality... They may keep some of the laws, but they become very cruel. Because what they'll do is, it reminds me of the parable Jesus told about the man who owed $20 million. And he couldn't pay. And he came to the king, hey, will you give me some more time to pay this debt? And it says the king was moved with compassion, a phrase that represents Jesus so many times in the gospel. And he forgave him his debt. He canceled the debt. So after that moment, that guy owed nothing. Now, what would you do? So imagine for those of you who you got some student loans and you get reward. It's canceled. The most conservative you in here will not be quiet or silent like, oh, praise God. You'd be dancing like the wildest Pentecostal. I don't care if you could do a backflip. You might try to do a backflip on that day. But do you know what this did when his debt was canceled? He went and found someone who owed him $20. Says he grabbed him by the neck and shook him and said, pay me what you owe me. And the guy said, give me a little bit of time and I'll pay you. And he refused to give him time, refused to forgive his debt, and he threw him in jail. 
And so the servants of the king heard about this and says the king was angry. And he says, I forgave you this huge debt, but you can't even forgive this dude this small debt. Now, people say, oh, that guy's just so full of unforgiveness, he's just not a good person. I don't believe he wasn't a good person. I just believe he didn't believe he was forgiven. Because why would the first thing you do is go and get some money? You really thought in your head, I have a little bit more time to pay this debt. You did not believe you were forgiven. You believe that now I'm going to have to do some stuff to get back into the king's good graces. So many Christians keep the commands of the Bible from that standpoint, trying to get God to like them, trying to get God to love them, trying to get the goodness of God, and not understanding God is good, he loves you. And so when you have the heart that I'm trying to prove myself to God, that's why I'm keeping all these rules, you will look down on somebody who sins. You will look down on someone who's not keeping all the commandment checklists that you're keeping. Yes, keep the checklist. Yes, live holy. But you live holy because you know you are forgiven. You live holy because you know that you are loved. You live holy because you love God. That you're already accepted by him. And you know he's good. And when that's your motivation, holiness is infused with love. You're not trying to keep the Old Testament. You're not trying to keep the 613 ordinances and laws. You're not becoming a Pharisee or a Sadducee. You're a follower, a disciplined follower of Jesus. And so you keep these things from a spirit of love. And so when you see somebody who ain't living right, it doesn't mean that you justify what they do, but from a spirit of love, you help them do what's right. There's a difference. And we have to understand that if we're really going to make a difference in this day and age, we have to live by that difference. Because when you understand that, because your love is fueled by faith, it connects you to the power of God, you're able to deliver someone. How can you deliver someone if you judge them? How can you deliver someone if you condemn them? First of all, why would they even come to you in the first place? So many times we've criticized ourselves out of a move of God. We've critiqued our way out of the miraculous. It's like, well, they didn't do this. And even 30 years ago when God moved, God, they did that. So we had to copy what they did. No, 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 no. You just follow the Holy Ghost. He will always lead you in line with his word. And the thing is, we all got enough stuff to do in our life. We really don't have time to condemn and judge and look down on somebody else. I, maybe you have time for that. I don't have time for that. Or as the meme goes, ain't nobody got time for that. You know, some things I've learned to do, just, Jesus, that's your business. I ain't thinking about it. I'm not looking at the comment section. I'm not replying to trolls. Jesus, this is your business. Here you go, sir. Because if you get so caught up in what other people did, and you get caught up in condemnation and judgment, how can you move forward in the goodness of God? Because Romans says that, don't you know that the goodness of God leads people to repentance? And what is the gospel? Good news. And how did Peter preach it on the day of Pentecost? I know we're close to my notes yet. But how did Peter <laughs> preach it on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Ghost was poured out? He said, save yourself from this generation. Now, we would think, and you could preach it right, scriptural accurate, said, hey, there is a hell. Don't die and go to hell. Peter never got to hell yet. He says, save yourself first from this generation. So many people live hell on earth and then die and go to hell. 
When God wants you to have heaven on earth, and when your time is done, you go to heaven. But some people can't even see the eternal because what's right in front of them is so bad. So you have to tell them that there is something good for you on this earth. Not just when you get to heaven in a sweet by and by. God has plans for you right now. God has goodness for you right now. God has breakthrough for you right now. God has healing for you right now. God has provision for you right now. He has heaven on earth right now. And then one day when your assignment is done, one day when you've completed your call, you can enter to your reward in heaven. What did Jesus tell his disciples pray? God, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yes, we should want to go to heaven, but before you get there, bring heaven to earth. That's always been the plan of God. When everything is done, read the end of the book of Revelation, heaven is coming down. That is the plan of God, not to get people to heaven, but bring heaven here. This is what God wants to done. When we have experiences with God, when the glory fills the room, you know what they used to sing at Azusa over 100 years ago? Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. They talked about the revival they were in for three years and said it was like heaven came down. God always wants to pour out heaven. Come on, one of the things we read about in Malachi chapter 3, when it says he'll empty out a blessing, that's not room enough to receive it, is that the windows of heaven are open and he's pouring out. God wants heaven on earth. That's what he wants. That's what he desires. So we might as well just agree with him. Well, pastor, don't you know it's the end time? Yes. Well, don't you know we're in the last days? Well, we've been in the last days since Jesus got here, 2,000 years ago. That's what the scripture says. Well, don't you know we're at the end of the last days? Yes, it's very apparent. You don't have to have much discernment to know that. But we don't give up just because we're at the end. We don't back down just because we're at the end. We don't just accept everything going on in the world at the end. Well, the world is dark, yes, but we're the light. The world is corrupt, yes, but we're the salt. What are we supposed to do? Manifest God's goodness until he says, come on. So what does Jesus want us to do? Get busy doing what he's called us to do. To be the salt, to be the light, to do what he's called us to do. And so when he calls us home, we're not those who are hiding away because the world got so dark. We're the ones living in victory, who are going home to a victorious celebration. We're not running away, we're being called home. So we all have something to do. No matter your age, no matter your background, God has a plan for your life. And his plan flows from his love for you and his goodness that he wants to manifest not just in your life, but also in other people's lives. So Galatians chapter 6. We'll see how much of my notes we actually look at today. Verse 9. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart or do not faint. The Amplified Classic says, and let us not lose heart and grow weary and faint and acting nobly and doing right. For in due time and at the appointed season, we shall reap if we do not loosen and relax our courage and faint. Now, I just wonder, wonder, just wonder, how many people who have this end time mentality actually have one that's connected to hope and faith 
or is it connected to fear? Let's think about, let's think about this. When we think about the end times, most people aren't thinking about Jesus coming back, even though that's the whole thing. He's coming back again. They say, oh, there's an antichrist. There's a false prophet. Did you hear Babylon's got a whore? There's a mark of the beast. When you look at that, that mark is mentioned in just a couple of verses. Then I Christ and false prophet mentioned a little bit more. But they're not the main characters of the story. We are obsessed with few parts of the end time when they're not even the major thing. You may sum up what the Antichrist and the false prophet do? Fail. The biggest failures in history. He said, oh, they rule the world. The Bible doesn't say that. Popular Christian culture says that. The scripture says they'll rule one-fourth of the earth. And in that one-fourth of the area, they have consistent fights in their own kingdom. From people they rule over, not just saying they're fighting, God fights them too. The biggest failures in history, yet we're obsessed with, well, who's going to be the Antichrist? Who's going to be, oh, I wonder if it's this person. I wonder if it's this country. I wonder if it's this system. That's not our focus. Because when they show up to do what they got to do, we ain't here. <laughs> I remember someone saying that, said, oh, I can almost hear the horse beats of the, 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 the four horsemen. And the person replied to him said, I'm not listening for that. I'm listening for the trumpet. <laughs> my focus is not what happens after we're gone. My focus is to do my job so well that when I go, people are going with me. So for us, it's not time to be discouraged. Go, oh, the world is being dark. Did you see the Grammys? Well, did you see Asbury? Don't get focused on the darkness. Focus on his goodness. And when you focus on his goodness, it's the key of not fainting. Because if you focus on the darkness, you'll get tired, you'll get worn out, and you'll want to quit. You'll want to end your assignment early. But what did David say in Psalm 27, verse 13? I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. What did David say? I would have quit. I would have fainted. I would have lost heart unless I believed I would see God's goodness in the land of the living. Not just goodness when I die but goodness while I'm alive. If you actually believe that you'll see God's goodness while you live, you'll be strengthened. So it's not just saying nice to think God has good plans for my life. It is vital if you want to keep moving forward. If you don't want to be overwhelmed with the discouragement that's in the world, the depression that's in the world, the darkness is in the world. You got to believe that you'll see God's goodness. And it, you have to be specific with it. Oh, yes, I'm going to see God be good today. Well, what does that mean? Well, I, Pastor, what does the word goodness mean? How many of you like to tell you what that word goodness means? It means prosperity, good things, property, supply, provision, good in the widest sense of the word, and good to the farthest extreme. That's what this Hebrew word for goodness here means. It means prosperity, 
good things, property, supply, provision, good in the widest sense of the word, good to the farthest extreme. If you believe, you'll see that while you live, you'll be strengthened. You know, that's why, you know, people's like, oh, you're one of those prosperity preachers. I'm not a poverty preacher, that's for sure. Because do you know what happened if all you heard was someone preaching you poverty? You'd be weak. You would look, well, one day I'm going to go to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be. And so you'll be counting down for the rest of your life going to heaven, and you won't be focused on bringing heaven to earth. And the thing is, if you broke, how can you help the poor? You won't be able to help them because you need help yourself. Let's think about this. That God is good. He has good plans for our life, and he wants to be good in every single area of our life. Because one of the things about the goodness of God, it's a calling call to the world. You know, we've said before that, you know, healing or miracles are the dinner bell for the world. Because when healing and miracles break out, people come. But usually the people who come are the ones who want to see healings and miracles, or the people who need healing and miracles. But when God's goodness shows up in other areas, people who need that show up too. And so you're in different areas and arenas. When God's going to hit your life in those different areas, people want to talk to you about that. God's goodness in your life is a billboard. He told the people of God in the Old Testament that it's going to, people are going to tremble and be in awe when they see what goodness I pour out on your life. God's goodness is dual fold. He's good, and he wants to be good to you, but he also wants to bring people in. He wants more people to experience his goodness. Notice what it says next in verse 14 of Psalm 27. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Now, when you think the word wait, it's okay, I'm just waiting. Uh, Jesus, you take forever. When you said to wait for you to come back. It's been a while now, so... When you say soon, that has a lot of different definitions, sir. I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. But that's not what the word wait means. The word wait means to eagerly expect and look for. The word wait means to eagerly expect and look for. And so if you're waiting on God, you are expecting him. That's why we say expect miracles. If you're waiting on God, you're looking for him to show up in your life. This is not passive, it's active. I remember a man of God told me, said it this way years and years ago. He said he was walking down the street, and he was in a neighborhood that you want to get out of by a certain time at night. And the sun was setting. And then he walked up, and he saw this bus stop. And the bus stop was filled with people waiting. And then he noticed the people at the bus stop weren't just sitting at the bus stop, they were leaning, looking up the hill for where the bus was supposed to come from. And so he said, he walked up to the guy and says, hey, are you waiting for something? He says, yes, I'm waiting for a bus, this, this, that, it arrives at this time. He wasn't just waiting for a bus, he knew what bus he was waiting on. He wasn't just waiting passively, he was waiting eagerly expecting that bus to show up because that bus was the last one out of that neighborhood at that time. That is what it means to wait on God to expect, to look for. That in our daily lives, we got to expect. In our daily lives, we have to look for. So even on the days when you don't feel spiritual, 
Even on the days where the coffee didn't do its job. Even on the days when you're like, ah, God, really? Or even on the days when you don't think you deserve it. Because you did something stupid. Every day, look for it. Every day, expect it. Lean in. Live in expectation of God's goodness. Because he is good. And his mercy endures forever. Lamentations 3, 22 through 25 says, Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. He manifests his goodness and a higher level to those who are looking for it. Those who are expecting it. You know, it talks about Jeremiah 17, about the people who put all their trust in the flesh and what the flesh can do versus the people who trust in the Lord. It says those who trust in the Lord will see when good comes. Why? They're looking in the right place. But then it says the people who trust in the flesh, that says they won't see it. doesn't mean it's not coming to them. They're just looking in the wrong place. How many of you have ever lost your phone or your glasses or something? Your keys, something like that. How many know it was where you left, last left it? But you were looking in the wrong spot? And so although your phone, your keys, your wallet is over there, you're looking all over here, and you are carefully looking for it. Just looking for it, oh, I don't know where I left it, where could it be, where is it, where is it? But when he finally looked in the right place, he got it. So many people, even believers, are looking in the wrong place. But when you put your faith in God, when you trust in God, when you place your hope in him, you will see the good no matter what. Even if it means God has to preserve you for a long period of time because everybody else in the generation is a hot mess. Caleb and Joshua's testimony. Everybody else did wrong. So their miracle was delayed but not denied. They were delayed. It wasn't their fault, but they were not denied. And what did Caleb say when he stood before Joshua in the promised land? He said, I'm just as strong as I was 40 years ago. I'm in my 80s, but I feel like I'm in my 40s. So what did Caleb say? Give me that mountain. Because a mountain is hard to take by itself, but that mountain had four or five cities inhabited by giants. So yeah, I'm in my 80s, but I'm just as young as my 40. Give me that mountain. And he took that mountain. So Caleb in his 80s began to dream again. And his dream wasn't based on his natural ability, but it's what it was based on what God did in him. So there's a number of you in here, you need to begin to dream again. Dream bigger, dream better, because although you may have been delayed, you realize that God's been faithful and he's kept you this entire time. There is something to be said about the keeping power of God. When we talk about the word saved, yes, it means to be saved, it means to be delivered, it means to be healed, it also means to be preserved. 
He is the author and the finisher of your faith. So between the start and the end, he preserves you. He's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, but is also with you in the middle. So you might find yourself today in the middle of your miracle. Don't miss it. It's easy to miss your miracle when you're looking in the wrong place and you're caught up with the wind and the waves. Because remember, one of the times the disciples found themselves in a storm. And they were panicking just like you would panic. Because the boat had filled with water. And Jesus was taking a nap. Why? He preached all day. He was tired. Knocked out on the pillow, it says. And it says the disciples went and grabbed him and shook him. That word in the Greek is like they resurrected him. That's how violently they grabbed the Messiah. They weren't gentle with us. They said, Jesus, we need you to wake up. They grabbed him and shook him. Jesus, don't you care about us? Wake up, bro. Get up. Don't you see the storm? And Jesus looks at him. Get sleep out of his eyes. Stands at the boat. Says he rebukes the wind. Cut that out. Looks at the sea. And it says, peace be still, which really means Shh, calm down. And it said, everything, it said the sea became as still as glass. Now, I want you to notice something. It said the boat was full of water. What happens when a boat is full of water? It sinks. Yet they didn't sink. They were missing the miracle. Because of the wind and the waves. Jesus said, we're going to the other side. And he went and took a nap. They were going to get to the other side. But they were panicking in the middle of a miracle. Yes, the storm is bad, but you're in the middle of a miracle. What about when Peter walked on the water? There's another storm. Jesus walking on the water says he would have passed them by. But they started to panic again. Ah, it's a ghost! And Jesus, calm down. Don't be afraid. It's me. And then Peter, you know, give props to Peter because no one else said anything. He said, Jesus, if it's really you. Now, it's interesting that he asked this question. He said, if Jesus is really you, I need the secret hand sign. I need you to say something only you would say. Well, he says, if it's you, tell me to walk on the water. And you know what Jesus said? Well, come on then. And so Peter got out the boat. Nobody else did. Matthew, John stayed right there. Nobody else got out that boat. Like, all right, Peter, have fun. <laughs> and Peter begins to walk on the water to Jesus, something that we have no record of anyone in history doing except Jesus himself. He is walking on the water. He is doing the impossible. But then it says he looked at the wind and the waves. And he began to sink. Now, notice this. The wind and the waves were going the entire time. So the wind and the waves were irrelevant. He focused on what didn't matter. He focused on the irrelevant, and he began to sink. Before he was focused on Jesus, he was walking on the word that Jesus gave him. But when he looked at the wind and the waves, he began to sink. It didn't say he sank said, he began. And as he began, he cried out, Lord, save me. And it says, Jesus, 
caught him. See, this is encouraging to me because, you know, when you walk by faith, sometimes you get distracted. Sometimes you find yourself in situations. Sometimes you begin to sink. But Peter had a safety net. And if Peter has a safety net, I got a safety net. Even if I got distracted for a moment, even if I began to sink, I could say, Lord, save me. And I'm caught. Pulled him up. Walked him back to the boat. Then looked at him and said, well, why did you doubt? It was personal. Jesus, Peter, come on. Out of everybody, why did you doubt? And we could talk about Peter's doubt, but at least Peter walked. You can't be afraid to stay in the boat all your, and stay in the boat all your days. You have to do what God's called you to do. The supernatural life will make you uncomfortable at times. Because God has not called you to stay in your comfort zone. He gave you a comforter, not a comfort zone. <laughs> Following God sometimes will make you uncomfortable. Sometimes it'll put you in a situation like, Jesus, if you don't come through, we all going to look special in this place. We, uh, Jesus, I need you to show up. And so when I'm in this middle, I've learned I have to look. I have to expect. No matter how many days it takes, I'm expecting. I'm looking. That means I don't tell God how to do it. It's just knowing that he will do it. Because you probably can think about three to ten ways to fix your mess right now. But God's got a million. So don't focus on the way, just focus on him. Don't get focused on the wind and the waves, focus on him. We have to walk this supernatural lifestyle of faith. We have to live this way. And one of the ways we live it is always expecting God's goodness. Always expecting miracles. You know what it says in Exodus 33, 18? Moses and God are having this conversation. Moses and God had just such an interesting relationship when you read their conversations. And God is talking to Moses about something. And Moses interjects and says, please show me your glory. Now, most of us would have been confident of seeing the cloud. That's pretty good. Seeing the pillar of fire. Hearing God talk. The thunder, the lightning, that's, you know, that's pretty good. But Moses wanted more. He says, show me your glory. Show me more of you. Show me what I haven't seen before. Ain't what God didn't tell him? Well, you should be satisfied with what you've seen. No one else has seen what you've seen. You should just be happy. That's not what he said. Notice what he replied. Then he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Moses said, I want to see your glory, and God says, fine, I'll show you my goodness. One of the definitions for glory is heavy with everything good. Glory is heavy with everything good. So when God's glory shows up, his goodness shows up. But you have to look for it. You have to expect it. Sure, we love surprise move of God's. Sure we do. Oh, we are surprised that was good. But what about expecting moves of God? Expecting him to show up. Yes, in church, but in our everyday life expecting miracles, expecting supernatural intervention in our ordinary course of affairs, expecting it because of what God likes to do. 
Go to Psalm 24. Psalm 24. Verse 7. Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors. And the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Say or pause and think about that. He's the King of glory. He's the King of goodness, extreme goodness. His glory is heavy with everything good. But notice what the psalm instructs us to do. It says, lift up your head, O ye gates. Lift up your head, you everlasting doors. Well, who are the doors? Who are the gates? You. Do you realize you're a door into your neighborhood? A door into your community? A door into your workplace? A door into the places of your influence? That through you, God can reach people? That he has access to people? And when you read the writings of the Apostle Paul, and you read the book of Acts written by Luke, there was something that Paul really believed in and told them to pray for was concerning doors. One thing was a door of utterance, but also we pray that God would open doors. In the book of Acts, you see that certain people were doors to entire regions. Like Lydia was a door to the whole area around Philippi. And so people sometimes are doors. And in this case, we are doors. We are gates. And so the Bible tells us something very simple. Lift up your head. It reminds me of this video I saw of this basketball player. And something happened, and I think he either missed a shot or didn't go the way he did, and so he was really discouraged. He was really dismayed. His head was down. But then his friend came by and lifted it back up. And that's what I'm here to do for some of you. Lift your head back up. Why is your head down? Well, Pastor, you don't know what I did. Lift your head back up. Well, Pastor, you don't know how long it's been. Lift your head back up. You don't know what I've been through. Lift your head back up. But I screwed it up. Lift your head back up. Lift up your head. And the King of glory shall come in. Lift your eyes unto the hills. For whence comes your help? Lift up your head. Stop looking down. Stop being dismayed. Stop being discouraged. Lift up your head. For the king of glory's got plans. The king of glory has goodness for you. Stop looking down. So consumed in what you went through. So consumed by your current situation. Lift up your head. There's glory here, and there's glory coming. There's goodness here, and there's goodness coming. Lift up your head. You know, God said this to Moses and Abraham in two similar conversations. 
when God was telling him he's going to do something, looked hard to do. And both Moses and Abraham, men of faith, like, God, I, God, that's a lot. And God replied to them and said, and the King James says, has my hand waxed short? That means, is my arm not long enough? Or in other ways, have I run out of power? Did, did I not charge this morning? Have I run out of my ability to be God? No? Then you move out the way and let me be God. Because so many of you are saying, well, I don't know. It's been so long. Didn't you see the report? Didn't you see what the news said? Did you hear about the economy? You don't know what they said at my job. You don't know what they said in my family. You don't know about my doctor's report. You don't know what's going around me. Yeah, there might be a lot of stuff. I don't know, but what I do know is I'm here to tell you to lift up your head. God has not run out of power. God has not run out of ability. God has not run out of desire. God has not run out of miracles. God has not run out of strength. God has not run out of provision. God has not run out of goodness. Lift up your head. It's time to go forward. It's time to get moving. And for those of you who said it's been a long time, now I was reading through the book of Zechariah this week, and we covered it on midweek a few weeks ago when we talked about when they were coming back from exile, and we looked at Daniel and Ezra and Nehemiah and Esther, but we also look at Haggai and Zechariah, that, got, that they had got discouraged because of opposition, waves of opposition. God had moved supernaturally to get them to come home. Daniel had prayed. He stood on the word that God gave Jeremiah. Daniel prayed, and the Holy Spirit moved on the heart of the king, and he reversed decades-old policy sent God's people back home and funded their trip and gave them everything they needed to build the temple. So they get back home and they run into some opposition. They run into some challenges. And then it says in Ezra 4, they stopped building the temple. Now they didn't stop for the night and say we'll come back tomorrow. They didn't stop for the weekend. They stopped for approximately 15 years because of the opposition, because of the discouragement. Their heads were down. It's been a while. And it says God sent two prophets by the name of Haggai and Zechariah who began to prophesy and preach to them. And one of the things that was interesting, uh, what he said to Zechariah, and we'll go there, Zechariah chapter 4. It's a popular passage. Zechariah chapter 4. Verse 6, then he said to me, this is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel, who is the governor. It is not by force nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Nothing, not even a mighty mountain will stand in Zerubbabel's way. It will become a level plain before him. And when Zerubbabel sets the final stone of the temple in place, the people will shout, may God bless it, may God bless it. Then another message came to me from the Lord. Zerubbabel was the one who laid the foundation of this temple, and he will complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of heaven's army has sent me. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hands. Now notice something. They've been stopped for 15 years. Whatever work they did on the temple is still there. They didn't tear it down. It's there. 
And according to Haggai, they kind of left the temple and went to go build their own house. It's like, oh, well, we got discouraged into this big thing, the supernatural thing. Let me go do the small things that I can do. And they just left it there. So people are walking by the temple every day and see it. It's not built. God sent Haggai and Zechariah, and Zechariah's message here is to the governor. And then you'll see other messages to the rest of the people. And this is a message of encouragement. Because I'm sure Zerubbabel thought it will never happen. It will never come to pass. It's been too long. We were discouraged, so we stopped. How many of you have stopped something because of opposition and discouragement? For him, it's been 15 years. Come on, some of you were finally getting to going in 2019, and then 2020 hit. And he haven't bounced back yet. And he says, I've been on pause. Come on, some of you have been on pause so long, if Netflix had access to you, they would say, are you still watching? Are you still there? <laughs> You've been living on pause. But God's plan for your life is still his plan for your life. The gifts and calling of God are without repentance. The gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. And so he said to Zerubbabel, you started it, and you will finish it. There are some things God has started in you that he will finish. That's what Paul told the church, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to the day of completion in Christ Jesus. So my message to you today is simple. Lift up your head. As it says in Hebrews and Isaiah and other places, strengthen the feeble knees. Lift up the weak hands. There is work to be done. There is work to be done in your life. And there's work to be done in our corporate life as a church. This is not the time to quit. Because we will reap if we faint not. We will reap if we remember God's goodness. And just like God sent Haggai and Zechariah, I believe this message is sent to you today to lift up your head and get you moving again. To stir you up again. To get you into position, to get you into place. That it doesn't matter how long you've been on pause, it's time to hit play. It's time to move forward. Those of you wondering, I don't know if my gift is relevant anymore. You know, the world changed over the last few years. If God gave it to you, you have it for a reason. He said, well, so many things have changed. The world has changed, yet you're still here. If God gave it to you, he gave it to you for a reason, and he expects you to use it. Zechariah 8, 9 says, this is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Be strong and finish the task. Ever since the laying of the foundation of the temple of the Lord of heaven's armies, you have heard what the prophets have been saying about completing the building. God wants you to finish what you started. It's great to start, but it's better to finish. Starting is great, but finishing is better. So that means you can't be discouraged by delay. You can't give up just because it's taken a long time. You can't quit just because everything didn't go your way. You can't stop because Satan attacked. You can't stop because people are trifling. You can't stop because your feelings got hurt. You can't stop because the economy changed. You can't stop because of a doctor's report. 
what you and God started, you and he will finish. And it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are. What you and God started, you will finish. So whether you're Gen Z or millennial, whether you're Gen X or baby boomer, whether you're part of the greatest generation, whatever you and God started, you will finish. Say, whatever God and I started, we will finish. Come on, we'll say it again. Put it in the chat if you're watching at home. Say, whatever God and I started, we will finish. So for you, you might just need to write a new chapter. You might just need to turn the page of what you've been through. Because so many people, you know, I was listening to a message about this week, and if you read the Gospels, you see that Jesus had some issue with the scribes. He had some issue with a few groups, Pharisees, Sadducees, followers of Herod, and then the scribes. Now, the scribes, they had this divine commission given to them to be in the king's palace and write down what they heard. So they, they're official history keepers. But when God did something new, it says something new, it's supposed to write that down too. But the scribes, instead of writing out what God was doing, was fighting what he was doing. So when Jesus showed up, remember it says that he taught them differently than the scribes. He taught them with some authority. So many of God's people remember what he did and fight what he's doing. Well, other people stay in the past and never move into the future God has for them because of many different reasons. Wherever you find yourself today, whatever reason you've been on pause, whatever reason you've been living in the past, whatever reason you've been stuck on stuck, it's time to go forward. It's time to do what God has called you to do. It's time to fulfill the plan of God for your life. Zechariah 9:12 Amplified Classic Edition says it this way. Return to the stronghold of security and prosperity, you prisoners of hope. Even today do I declare that I will restore double your formal prosperity to you. So much to say there. He tell them, return, you prisoners of hope. Hope is expectation. Hope, you know, people talk about dreams. And when you talk about dreaming that way, it gets close to the biblical realm of hope. We should be walled around, surrounded with hope. The most hopeful people on the planet should be God's people. The biggest dreamers on the planet should be God's people. The biggest innovators on the planet should be God's people. The most creative people on the planet should be God's people. Because although we've been through some things, we've chosen to be prisoners of hope. Instead of being chained to our past and chained to discouragement and chained to bad reports, and change to the things people spoke over our lives that were wrong. We choose to lock ourselves to hope. We choose to keep hope alive. We choose to overflow in hope because we always believe it's going to get better. 
not because the world gets better, but because our God is good. We always look for a brighter day, not because the world is getting brighter, but because our God is good. And the scripture says, arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. It tells you that at the same time where it says the world will be covered in darkness. But just because the world is covered and shrouded in darkness, it doesn't mean you will be. So you must be a person full of hope, full of expectation full of looking for God to show up and do something wonderful. Romans 5, 5 says, Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. The hope you have in God will not disappoint you. Go to Hebrews 11, verse 1. Let's bring this home. We have to be people of hope. Because we focus on faith, and we should. But for faith to work right, yes, you gotta walk in love, but you also have to be a person of hope. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith gives your hope substance. I like to say this way, hope is the blueprint, faith is the materials. So many people have an experience of supernatural lifestyle of faith because they don't have a blueprint. They said, well, I don't want to believe too big. I don't want to dream too big. Because what if it doesn't happen? Well, what if it does? The people who actually dream big and follow it up with work change the world. Just in the natural thing. An animator drew a mouse and has a multi-billion dollar company to this day, and he's not even here. Two tech people in the 70s started a business in their garage. And you know what they do as Microsoft. All the innovation that came with Apple came for a person who thought they could do better than what was already out there. Think, just think what you and God can do. George Washington Carver having a conversation with God. God, why did you make the peanut? And God says, I'll tell you why. And his innovation changed everything. And then he prophesied about what God would do, an outpouring, a special move of God. One of the greatest innovators of the 20th century was looking forward to a move of God. We've limited ourselves. We've held back. You know what it says about the people who left Egypt? It says in Psalms that they limited the hand of God. They held him back. Small believing holds God back. No dreams, not dreaming at all, hold God back. Staying in your past, hold God back. It didn't change his desire. It didn't change his heart. It didn't change what he wants to be done. But if you stay on pause, God can't do in your life what he wants to do. And so you end up missing out. But the plan of God will still come to pass, even if God has to find somebody else. 
And there's many people. I remember, I think I'll close with this. <laughs> I remember when I was at ORU, one of our guest speakers was Miles Monroe. And so he had a book out then, I bought his book, and I forgot that he signed it for me. And so years later, I opened it up, and he said, Carrick, die empty. Because I remember that message. He said, the richest place in the world is not Wall Street or Fort Knox or different banks. The richest place is the graveyard. For there are unwritten books and unwritten scripts uncomposed songs and music, undiscovered cures, people who never did what God told them to do and took answers to the grave. People who held on to what God put inside instead of releasing it to the world. And so what he said, die empty, he says, pour out everything God put on the inside. That when your time comes, don't leave anything left on the table. Pour it all out. If you stay on pause, it's not just you who misses out. There's other people in your life that you know and don't know who miss out. Staying stuck doesn't just affect you, it affects the world. And all they will do is have more commentators and talking heads talk about the same thing over and over again in cycles. Because the people of God didn't release what was on the inside. We're the light of this world, Jesus said. He says, you don't think I'm going to light you up and put you under a bucket, do you? He said, no, I'm going to put you in a place where everyone can see. So I've told you this year's a year you're going to rise in influence because you must do what God has told you to do. So lift up your head. Dream again. Dream big. Put faith with your dreams. Put corresponding action to work with your faith. Walk in love. Forgive everybody of everything. And move forward. One of the things I notice is that anytime there's a heavy wave of discouragement that comes against you, it lets you know you're about to get where you need to go. Because not every thought that comes to your head is you. Sometimes the enemy trying to stop you. So don't be discouraged. Don't be dismayed. Don't lose heart. Don't faint. Because you will reap. You will harvest. You will complete God's plan for your life. You might say, well, I'm tired. Well, strength is coming to your heart right now. Strength is coming to your being right now. Yeah, I'll do that, sir. You're one of the people in here, you've been on pause. And I'm not saying you've been paused for a moment. You've been on pause for years now. But he said, if God gives me strength, I'll move forward. I believe I'm supposed to lay my hands on you. If that's you, come here quickly, come here quickly. He said, I've been on pause. It's been a long time. But I'm ready to go forward. God hasn't forgotten what he promised you. God hasn't forgotten what he prophesied over your life. If you're watching online, although I physically can't lay hands on you, the power of God's going to go into you right now, so don't you log off. Strength is going to flow into your being right now. I believe acceleration is going to come to you right now. 
there's something that happens in these moments when the Holy Ghost calls for these things. Stuff begins to change, not just in you, but in your situation. But you have to keep focusing on the goodness of God every single day. Nathan, if you come up here and help me. Think about his goodness every single day. Congregation, go ahead and stretch your hands towards them right now and pray in the spirit. And if you're watching online at home and responding, just open your heart, he'll minister to you. Thank you for streaming this message. I believe it encourages you and it's going to help you make Jesus famous in your everyday life. We would love to be, stay connected with you. So subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, our YouTube channel, download our Faith Plus app, and visit us at FCCGA.com to learn more about our ministry. If you would like to support our ministry financially, you can also do so by our website at FCCGA.com or by texting FCCGA to 73256. If you would like to submit a prayer request, you can do so at our website as well. We would love to agree with you in faith, and we know you'll receive an answer according to the Word of God. Once again, thank you for streaming this message, and remember, God has a great plan for your life, and something good is going to happen to you today, so expect miracles. God bless.